Scotty, are your numbers moving? Am I moving your numbers? My numbers are racing like never before. Okay. Meaning that you're hoping to to get this over with as soon as possible? The less time in your company, the better, they say. Oh, my God, that's so mean. It is very mean. I I, I would take that back, apart from it's now just... Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's on tape, but that would show my age. Hmm. Well, you take it back, but that would be an insincere <laughs> thought. So, sir, how are you? What's been going on this week? Well, let's see. Uh, I've been adding slightly to my fame. We did an internal video shoot today, um, which we'll be continuing tomorrow, but that's for the new accessibility employee resource group. So we had our first meeting after the the kind of unveiling of the group. And, you know, it was interesting because up until now, you know, most of my thoughts about it have had to do with the the product. But, of course, there's a a significant effort um, underway to, to make the company and the physical environment accessible as well. And so tomorrow we're going back to the famous lighthouse for the blind to, to do some interviews. And, and the goal of, of this video is to have something that both introduces the group in general, but has some, some little kind of uh, inspirations for engineers and designers because um, the other part of my week was essentially fixing some, some, uh, some, some pretty, pretty big accessibility uh, glitches for an AB test. And that's kind of what I talked about a little bit in, in on air was the fact that, you know, we're constantly changing things and, and people have to remember that you, if you break something uh, that people depend on, that's, that's a bad thing. So that's been my week. Yeah, I, I guess. I think this is one of the dangers, isn't it, that, you know, I, I, firstly, access, I, the iOS has made accessibility more upfront and center than it's ever been before even though it's been supported on the Mac platform pretty well for a long time. Um, but it's, I, I think sometimes it gets viewed as something that, you know, it gets done as the main development and then can get forgotten about later on. And I think just so basically, you know, uh, and I know that's not the attitude within, within Netflix, but, you know, the thing of, you know, does it get retested if you make a bug fix for something else? I think that's an important thing. And often you find, you know, these... These are the types of things, not just accessibility, but you know, other things that sort of break sometimes when when people start changing things, as opposed to when they're in that real focused adding the feature for the first time or whatever. So, yeah, yeah it's an interesting thing. Well, and the, and the other thing too is is I w- was asked today. It's like, well, can't you automate some of the testing? And honestly, I'm not quite certain how you automate testing a voiceover. I mean, that that's. You know, and and maybe I will you know come back in the next week. It's like, of course, it's very easy to do, but I honestly don't know. Short of 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 you know having a video recorder, because you you certainly need accessibility uh, identifiers in order to make automated testing possible. But to actually test that the voiceover reads properly and and is comfortable, I'm not certain how you would automate that. Other than to maybe you know swipe up and down across the screen. And and record it, you know, with a, with another camera, so you could at least kind of hear. <laughs> can you read things? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing. I'll, I'll I'll have to to look into a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, that is oh. uh, interesting because I mean, just general automated UI testing is a bit of an abomination anyway. Um, yeah. It's not like that is slick and smooth. So yeah, add add accessibility on top of that, and I should imagine it's um, not easy. But I look forward to uh, you doing your um, MIT level academic research into it and coming back to, <laughs> coming back to yeah. us in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I br- bring up something else? Bring it up. Bring it up. Bring it up. So another thing I was working on this week is some performance tuning because I, I've been working on a on a on a video player um, that's been being used in a bunch of different places, and I, we may have talked about it a little bit before. You know, it's something that that I'm proud of. It has uh, some, you know, fairly complex uh, animations and, and interactions, and it's it's something where you know, it used to be the video would really only happen when you went full screen and when you committed to playing something. But we're doing a lot more where we're having video embedded um, in the main screens. And uh, it's one of those things where the the layout of it is sufficiently complicated and the design iterated sufficiently uh, um, uh, often. And during test phases, you know, there were enough variations where I couldn't have imagined doing it without zip files. Um, and uh, it's getting to the point now where you start doing tuning of it. You know, if there's a, a, a 10, 20 milliseconds of overhead and decoding a zip file when you're presenting a full screen video player, you wouldn't even begin to notice. But if you have the case where you've got a feed, you've got a table view or a collection view, which embeds it. Um, then you can run into problems if you have that overhead. And I'm now trying to figure out kind of uh, are there ways where I can force the decoding in advance, like when the entire view controller is loading, or do I have to break it down into smaller pieces and forestall the decoding of, of bits of, 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 of the view hierarchy um, only when it's absolutely needed because it's a case where for normal playback it will just begin playing and only when you want to actually see the, the the more advanced UI elements like the scrubber and the, the the transport controls and whatnot, and have the more sophisticated animations that respond to touch, um, when do, when do you pay that cost? And, and I'm in the middle of of figuring that out. Um, that will also be something that I'll either report back saying, "Yep, it was great during the design phase to be able to depend on zips, but I had to then implement everything in code in order to have it fast." So it's, have it's... you had? So it's the deserialization of the zip that is the, yeah. the slow problem, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, you know it, it, that's part of it because there certainly is a, a, a tax, and you know, we, some colleagues of mine refer to it as zipception when you decode everything and 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 create all the outlets, and it is a fairly complicated zip, and and that's again it's kind of the the thing. It's like well, if you have multiple of them. There's a certain overhead in, in, in decoding each item and making the outlet connections. And um, uh, so I guess in, in some ways, obviously, the, the smaller, the, you know, the, 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 the less complicated, the better. But at some point, you, you, you make, if you have multiple zip files that are needed to be able to, to make the full thing work, that adds its own level of complexity. But I, I am just, you know, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I, I, no matter how, you know, clever you can be with, with, creating arrays of, 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 of uh, uh, layout constraints, for example, and, and using the, you know, the, the, the ASCII, you know, uh, uh, um, layout for it. Uh, it's still, to me, it's like I having to do that kind of stuff in code just makes my skin crawl. Um, and it's just, it's, it, it 
I will be sad if I have to rewrite the, you know, it, it won't be that hard because I know exactly what needs to be done. But I just, I, I, I'm definitely of the opinion I'd rather have a lot of that stuff encoded in zip files rather than, you know, a couple hundred lines of, of, of boilerplate code. And, I, and, you know, the counter for that as well, at least in the code, you can see exactly what's going on. And if you're super clever with it, then you can, you can, you can build a lot of convenience methods that will kind of create the, the layout constraints you need. But still, to me, I, I, I don't know. I just like my zips. I, I feel like they will take them from me with my cold, dead hands. But I, I hope that I can find a way to, to, to you know, make everything as, as performant um, as if I didn't use them. See, I'm surprised there's not some sort of optimization already going on that obviously once you've loaded a zip and serialized the objects from it once, that the second time will be faster. But um, obviously it doesn't sound like there is. Well, that's that's the thing, and, and, and it may be the case. I mean, there's when you have table views and you scroll very fast, at that point you have a lot of – you have to be careful to, to kind of log carefully um, – how many times your your uh, table view cells are actually being recycled because there there's it's a black box of course right you know you just provide a pool but it it may decide at some point that it it, it has to go and and get new ones and and decode them so but it it's a tricky thing yeah yeah i'm not talking about the um because i know you get the table cell uh recycling but yeah the actual i would i'm surprised there's not some internal mechanism that once you uh, deserialize the zip that there's you know some sort of halfway house that it holds and makes it faster internally. Right. But that was you know I, I have no I've never looked at it. I'm just I'm just surprised that it doesn't do that. But yeah. I guess I guess then again you know how often yeah I mean just simply for the fact that when if you you know lots of people hold table view cells themselves you know in a zip. So this is 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 the whole. Is it the whole table view cell, or is it just the video no, player is coming from the zip inside of another zip? Well, there's, there's, yeah, it's like that. I mean, there is a table view cell which can that will then make then programmatically load another zip from a, a view controller and add its view to a container. Um, and so, I mean, I, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that when we actually go and, and look carefully at instruments, that uh, we can make it work. Because in in the end you, you can always I mean there's two aspects for it you can you can cache the 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 UI nib which is already it, it is that that loads the thing but it doesn't it doesn't create the actual de, de, doesn't actually deserialize it um, uh, you have to then initiate with with owner you know to, to get the top level object and that's something you can also force it to, to decode. Um, and I'm I'm thinking about just having a cache to have a pool of of these completely decoded um, views with all their connections, um, and we'll see what that that does. But I think the other thing too is that maybe other things that maybe the the auto layout recalculation where you know um, uh, there there's two parts of it, right? You know there's there's the the there's the the decoding of the zip, but there's also the the number of of constraints that you have, and uh, it may be that during the course of, of of the recycling and the recalculation of the layout for it, that it, it, it's going out and, and making all these, const- you know, trying to satisfy all these constraints more often than it might actually have to. So we'll see. Interested to see how that goes and for work, yeah. you know, work out what goes on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've had a week of um, trying to make the Moneywell code base and working on a, a, a more pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
in many ways, we have the Mac app and the uh, and an iOS app. But in fact, it's just an um, an iPad app have the a lot of common code. There is a there is an iOS app, but it's a uh, it, 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 that was a read only app, and it's very old and out of date. But the the iPad app is um, uh, still pretty still works. Should we put it that way? And obviously, the Mac mm. app does. Um, and like a lot of uh, these projects, there's um, you know there, there was a, a common uh, well, it was a static library initially that was used by the two of them. But um, then this static library also referenced you know other static libraries or third party uh, repositories. So you know, basically, within the project, you would have you know the sub module for your uh, common static library, which had sub modules, which some had sub modules. So. Uh, you, you have, having spoken about this before, my hatred of um, dependencies, uh, which whatever, whatever form they come, um, be they Carthage, uh, Cocoa Pods, or just simply using submodules, um, just looking to simplify that if I could. Basically, a lot of the reasons that some of the submodules were in there from our own code, what's now our own code, was historic because they come from elsewhere. Uh, those historic reasons weren't there, so a lot of that code got merged into the one, and equally. It turns out it was using uh, a bunch of third-party, not that many, but a few third-party libraries, which are now stagnant or dead in the water, um, and pretty either not had development on them for a long time and therefore not going anywhere, or as in the case of one of them, has now moved to Swift and um, doesn't necessarily work for what we want it to do. So we're having to point at a particular commit in the past. Um, so yeah, that's never going to move on. And you know, so it took the point that you know, there's no point having dependencies on dependencies that are never going to change. Um, so you know, brought all of the code from. Uh, I took the decision to bring all of the code from those uh, dependencies into the main common framework. Moved it from a static library to a framework. So it's all it's all in one place. I mean, we're we're going to have to be responsible for maintaining it because no one else is. So. You know, bring it all in and we can do what we like with it so now uh both uh um, it's uh, the both the ipad and the uh the mac version just basically on the whole use one main framework uh is a common code between them and so the next job was then to make sure that the you know, i'm a i'm a treat errors as warnings type of guy um i can't stand seeing warnings when i build i think um you people get used to those yellow um, yeah. uh, triangles being there, um, and you know the thing is with, it's particularly when you're using Objective C, um, which we are here. Uh, some of those warnings are actually fairly serious. <laughs> they're not, you know, they're not. You, know, you, you can get a warning for something minor through to you know, or you know, an indication of a deprecation through to, you know, the fact that you know this method just doesn't actually exist. You're trying to call. <laughs> um, which obviously, mm. which obviously mm. in Swift is a um, a compiler error, but in Objective C is a warning because of its dynamic dispatch nature. Um, in there, so spent the whole you know bit of time trying to clean up uh, all of the warnings in the code, uh, and um, equally we've made some decisions going for. Well, decisions are too strong a word. We're leaning towards, shall we say, because uh, well, we're having to re-implement some certain fundamental features that have got broken in the app that we're going to push the requirements of which I, uh, which OS versions for both iOS and the Mac up a bit to open up the door to some other features that we might want to use. 
So up up to the deployment target a little bit, and then of course you then get you know, your warnings go up because of all your deprecation warnings. So I've uh, I've mainly had a a week of fixing deprecation warnings by by bringing mm. things up to date. You know, um, you know, moving from UI popover to is it UI popover controller or whatever it is, and you know, oh, the amount of times in the uh, in the Mac app I've moved you know from a, a NS alert panel to using alerts or <laughs> whatever they might be, incredibly exciting stuff. Mm. So anyway, I'm uh, Mac app is down to zero warnings. The uh, the all right, that's the, I've impressive. I've got about a hundred to go in the in the iOS app, but I have two warnings in the framework uh, that are really bugging me at this point because um, it's and I can't find any way of of getting rid of these. Uh, well, no, it's not true. I can find a way of getting rid of them, but not a way that I can accept. There are the, the app uses core data, and core data's uh, model has been moved into the framework because it's shared between the iOS and the Mac app. And there are old versions of the model back from older versions of um, Moneywell that have some warnings in about there not being an inverse for a, a certain relationship. Uh, now these warnings don't really, you know, these inverse relationships were fixed uh, a number of versions of the model ago. Um, Mm. but the fact that they exist in old versions of the model, they still appear as warnings when you build, uh, and I can't find any way of um, turning off those warnings on older models. And obviously you can't fix them because those models have to represent... I want to keep Mm. those models around so that if someone opens... um, It uses the uh, uh, document infrastructure, so core data is embedded in, you know, it's treated as a document... So if someone opens a document from an older version of Moneywell, it will recognize the version of the model and it will go through the upgrade process. So I can't fix the models because mm. that will break that. Equally, that's why I can't take the models out. But these two warnings that come up every time I build, they are driving me bad, mad. They mean I can't turn on treat warnings as errors because I would never get the thing to build. And so, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And I've spent loads of time trying to research it and whatever else. And it doesn't seem... That it's that it's possible to do. So I could be totally wrong, but the, that's slightly frustrating. And there is a there is a line Xcode uh, ten two beta three came out um, this week or recently anyway the last few days since we recorded. And there is a line in the uh, release notes about something about being able to turn off warnings for individual models, but I can't. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I can't find out what that actually means. Hmm. And I think it actually might mean if you model object files as opposed to um, things. So, yeah, that that's frustrating. If anybody knows out there if there is a solution I'm missing, I would love to hear it. Would you be willing to commit to, like, buying that person, you know, a, a deluxe-sized plate of fish and chips at the, the South Bollockshire seaside stand of their choice? And a warm English beer to go with it. Yeah. All right. So, um one of, one of the things that, you know, um, I don't know if you can talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it from my side anyway, is you know, sometimes you just can't get rid of a warning uh, for various reasons. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of deprecation errors in, oh, deprecation warnings, sorry, in the app where uh, certain things have been retired. And it's not just a case of updating to the latest call. Sometimes that doing that is easy. So, for example, all the NSURL connections have been replaced with NSURL session stuff because, on the whole, you know, that tends to not be a huge change in the code. Um, yes, it's because of the whole delegation thing moving through to 
more of a completion handler type approach for most. I know you can use delegation as well, mm-hmm. but it's you know, they're, they're, you know you're spending a few minutes doing it. Whereas, uh, you know, for example, there was one warning that was being caused by trying to set the focus in a certain cell uh, on a table view, and it was only available as because that call only used to work on table views that use NS cell, as opposed to the mm-hmm. new more uh, up-to-date view-based table views on the Mac. Now, at this stage, you know, fixing you know calls to use the latest call or whatever else is one thing. Swapping a table view out to use uh, view bases instead of NSL on quite complex table views is you know that's not a piece of work I'm just going to do to get rid of a warning. That's a thing I'm going to have to do as a a bigger piece of work to make to make things work. But I, I don't want to live with that warning. But equally, I don't want to lose the fact that that's the case. Um, so we've taken, again, I'm interested to see what other people do here. Uh, we've taken the approach that we will suppress those warnings using the Clang, um, the Clang mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but we've you know, come to a policy that any time you suppress a warning with a Clang stuff, firstly, it has to have a, a to-do comment describing uh, why it's been done. And equally, it has to have a link through to an issue in our issues system. We use GitHub issues. Um, do it mm-hmm. so that... Otherwise, it's just going to get lost in there. But you know, it's in there. You can search the code for to do. You'll find all these things, or you can search the code for the tickets, and you'll find all these things. And and hopefully that means they don't get lost. Or anytime someone comes across that code, they know it's it's out there. But I'm just um because yeah, I don't you know so warnings are there for a reason, and and you shouldn't just suppress them because you don't like yellow. <laughs> um, so uh, in there. But uh, I'm just interested. You, you know, do you have a you know, a way that you have to suppress warnings you're doing it, or is it fairly free-for-all random? Uh, no, it, it depends, because we, we have some dependencies as well, and uh, we for things that we don't own ourselves, you know, in that particular case, we're happy that we will then pre-compile it and suppress warnings for, 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 for those. I, I think that your approach is the only one that really makes sense. It's pragmatic. You know, it's, you're going as far as you possibly can because, you know, I, I think the only thing beyond what you've already done would have to be something that, you know, runs a, a running tally of, of how many clang suppressions you have um, and maybe put that in a Slack channel or every time you do it, you kind of, you know, you have to fix one or I have no idea. I mean, it kind of depends on the, on the, the degree to which you have it, but... I don't know what else you could do that 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 would make any more sense. Yeah, fortunately, I think the Clang suppression stuff is ugly enough in the code that it stop puts you off using it, <laughs> right. yeah, right. uh, which, which yeah. is good. Um, uh, yeah, which is good. But it's uh, so yeah. But there's a there's a definite sense of satisfaction of um, getting you know zero warnings when you know, you, a week yeah. ago there were hundreds of the darn things. Um, so that's. Uh, that's uh, it, it's been you know it's frustrating because you know it's a lot of repet- rep- repetition. Uh, oh, again, bindings have been causing a complete pain in the backside because obviously uh, one of the nice things. I mean, and first let me say that have this is the first time I've worked in Objective C for a little while. Uh, again, I mean, obviously worked in it for a long time before Swift came along, um, and and I know you mainly work in Objective C still, but it's yeah, I'm actually you know. Well, it was incredibly frustrating for the first few weeks, uh, partly because of unfamiliarity again and you know punctuation and, and the rest of it. But um, you know, I am enjoying working in Objective C again now, which is, which is nice because I it would have been horrible to think that I'm going to spend the next you know few years uh, working on a code 
race in a language I couldn't stand. So the fact that I'm enjoying Objective-C is, is quite comforting. And it has got a lot better. Um, with all of the stuff that Apple have added to the frameworks to create better Swift support, such as the nullable and non-null mm-hmm. uh, stuff, mm-hmm. that's, that, you know, that makes it uh, a far safer language to use. But of course, uh, it also highlights things people were... I'm going to put in air quotes, getting away with in older code mm. that now come up as warnings. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff around bindings about, you know, uh, and, and working with um, represented objects uh, and, and different types that when you were just throwing stuff around randomly in the past, an Objective-C would virtually let you cast anything to anything, um, regardless of whether it made sense or not. <laughs> Um, you know, a, a lot of code is based around that. And now, of course, it's uh, not strongly typed, but let's just say it doesn't like you doing... Strongly suggested. Strongly suggested types, yes, I like that. Um, it creates a, a, a lot of, you know, issues. And so you end up finding yourself, in order to make code, get rid of the warnings, you have to, you cast... You have to go back to the bad old days, and you have to cast something to ID in order to do what you used to do on it before putting it back to... The type that it now needs to be <laughs> to get rid of warnings. So that was that felt a little bit, um, bit, bit strange. But uh, there we are. As as I'm planning over time, getting rid of all the binding stuff, where I was mainly having this problem that doesn't uh, itself. But it's, but it's, yeah, it, it's the. I know, I know, this stuff has been put into Objective C for Swift. So I'm not trying to pretend that you know Objective C's had lots of love. But it actually has. This stuff has actually, apart from being but ugly. This stuff has actually improved Objective-C a lot for itself. So that's mm. cool. So, Scotty, I have one last question, but that, that may be in some ways its own episode. But where you are right now and knowing that there's this mythical marzipan, which I, I saw discussed on, you know, uh, on, on AAPL stock you know, stock quote searches, which I do fairly often, and that kind of came up. It was, there was some Bloomberg article saying that this is going to be Apple's main way of, of getting lots of, of new apps for the Mac. If you if you could wave a magic wand, would you rather have a more developed iPad or iOS app that which you could then bring to the Mac using Marzipan, or uh, or does that not even register anywhere? I think this is going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I read the Bloomberg article. There was a there was a nine to five Mac article that came out yesterday as well that has suggested that Marzipan this year it will only be for iPad. In other words, you can mm. only take an iPad app to to the Mac. Um, it's difficult to know, isn't it? It depends what we get. I mean, the Marzipan apps. Firstly, let's point out Apple have never called it Marzipan ever. Mm. It's um, in fact, I don't think they've given it... Unlike Apple, they've never given it a name. I think they're going to struggle to give it any name other than Marzipan now, but it'll be interesting to see if it does get a name because it's only ever... You know, and there is a rumour that Marzipan wasn't even the code name internally. Someone... It was almond-based. Yeah, so there we are. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, I th- this is an interesting... Because I mean, obviously, we our main apps at the moment are an iPad app and a Mac app, and we are working for both. I think... Eventually, you know, we will have to seriously consider whether we um, we do the single app. Now, because we already have an iPad app, um, as long as we maintain that iPad app and keep it to a high standard, then that possibly can only work in our favour. I don't know, because I've not looked into Marcy Pan and what I need to do. Um, 
So, you know, hopefully we will have a head start there. I mean, there is rumor that the reason the reason that they're going to do iPad app first is because obviously it's a little easier to translate iPad to to the Mac, and it will be a great way of people doing more iPad apps. So they they basically increase the apps on both their platforms with the less apps. Um, I think, and for, but for the next couple of years, I don't think, particularly for a, a product as complex as Moneywell, which has a lot of different screens, a lot of different menus. Um, you know, where people, lots of people are going to be using it with lots of keyboard shortcuts, you know, picking up the standard keyboard shortcuts. I somehow don't think that Marzipan is going to be ready for that. If, I, mm. if I'm wrong, fantastic. Then, um, But I think we would, be, we would be silly to not, you know, monitor what's going on with Marzipan and have a strategy and be ready. But I don't think it's something we're going to need to, or maybe not use or need to be able to, even if we wanted to use this year. I just don't think... Mm. I don't think it's going to be ready personally, based on the apps that we saw last year coming out of Apple and how they work. They're not fantastic. I mean, I think it's a great achievement that they are just the code brought over, but I don't think they're flagship apps. Um, and yeah, it's difficult. I don't know. Uh, the trouble is, what I think it will do is it will bring lots of mediocre, possibly not quite working right apps to the Mac, and that may have a bigger effect than people bringing really good ones over i don't know mm. um and what happens if you have a universal app does that will that still come over as opposed to if it just being an ipad app it, it, assuming that the ipad thing is true because the talk is about the whole thing won't be finished till 2021 um which is quite a long way out still so mm. yeah so interesting things I, I think i think um i think yes obviously we will be looking at any session on marzipan that's at dub dub we will be watching um, and and making reflections on. But um, until we know, I think it's a little early to, uh, to say. I think it will be, It's if I was sat down with an idea right now about a new Mac app, uh, I would be waiting till June to start, just to see what happened first. Uh, we have a code base that's 10 years old and you know, we've got loads of work in it. I mean, it, you know, we're not going to stop to wait and see what happens. Mm. Well, Scotty, if people want to uh, suggest which type of marzipan fruit um, that you should use as the code name for your eventual rewrite of of a <laughs> of a universal app across all Apple platforms. Like, should it be like pear or banana or strawberry? And they want to tell you about that because they think that's an important part of their day. How might they communicate that to you? Uh, they can communicate with me, John, on uh, Twitter as MacDevNet, where I I have to say I go less these days, but I do occasionally have a look at um, micro.blog, Scotty on micro.blog, or of course they can they can make sure that you are aware of their choice as well by sending an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co. And John, mm-hmm. if people want to exclude me from the equation and just talk directly to you, because you know, who wouldn't want to talk just to you, uh, how, <laughs> how should they do that? Uh, they can find me in the Twitter swamp as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Excellent. I think, John, we have to we have to schedule soon our talk about WWDC and start doing our predictions so that we can yeah get get, get let's do them out a long way and see how far out. We so can you have plenty of time to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so. We can revise them several times before the event. Well, sir, it's been an absolute pleasure as ever. Um, good luck with your investigation with instruments and your investigation into the accessibility testing. Look forward to hearing how that goes over the next few weeks. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, you take care.